This is Stranger Still, a podcast about Netflix's Stranger Things and the wonderful weirdness of being alive. Before we get started, a small programming note. In this episode, we discuss multiple episodes of Stranger Things Season 1. Zach and I think you'll get more podcast bang for your listening buck this way, and it means we'll be moving on to Seasons 2 and 3 sooner. You can always tell us, thanks, I hate it, at Stranger Still Pod on Twitter. We'd also like to thank some of our generous patrons who make this project and several others possible. Dane Savory. Thanks, buddy. Emily M. Thank you. And Imejivar. Thank you, too. Tyler. That's my brother. Thanks, Tyler. Mike Williams. Thank you. Matthew Haley. That's a good name. Thanks, Matt. The Don JJ. I think I know who that is. David Robinson. Hi, David. Thank you. And Zach Sapkowiak. Thank you. And now for something stranger still. So Stranger Things, Stranger Things, Stranger Still is back. And we're changing up our format slightly. Uh, we're going to run through a couple episodes in uh, this episode of Stranger Still. We're going to look at episode uh, four, five, and six. Or sorry, three, four, and five. Holly Jolly, The Body, and The Flea, and The Acrobat. And uh, it feels good to, to be back, right, Zach? Yes, it does. <laughs> it's not been that long, has it? No. Uh, we won't uh, mention dates or anything like that because it's all going to look very nice and professional in the podcast feed. I mean, good um, things come with time, you know. So I, I was trying to convince Matt right before we started to wait another year. And, uh, you know, he, he convinced me otherwise. But, you know, just be grateful, I think, that this content's coming out when it is. <laughs> I believe that we've, we've marinated enough uh, with season <laughs> one. And uh, we are, we're ready to uh, just start dishing out, uh, dishing out the takes, yes. which is why we're going to cover three episodes uh, in uh, three chapters in this one episode of, of Stranger Still. And uh, so the first Holly Jolly, of course, the um, very famous image of Joyce with her Christmas lights. And uh, so in this episode, Nancy is sort of ridden with guilt of uh, for Barb. And at the very beginning, we see the, the, the Barb's fate <laughs> quite, mm-hmm. uh, quite uh, quickly and uh, decisively in the Upside Down. And, um, of course, Jonathan's uh, indiscretions come to light, uh, the photos that he was taking that night. Yeah. And um, Joyce starts speaking to the lights. <laughs> Crazy Joyce. I, I, I just, you know, the, the, the writers of the show couldn't have found a better mechanism to make her look even more crazy this episode. Yeah. It's like it, it keeps on vamping up, you know, the mom instincts. I know he's alive. I know he's okay. And then she's talking to Christmas lights. And so she goes from just being a an appropriately dedicated and of course frantic mother to um you know to people fearing for her her mental well-being because (laughs) she's speaking to the lights which by the way winona Ryder pulls off better than i think anybody else could she does she's she's the crazed mom i mean she gives me she gives me anxiety yeah (laughs) like her, her anxiety just flows out of the tv and just makes me nervous it's it's perfect it's perfect (laughs) Um, but this, this, the whole, I think these three episodes together, um, Holly Jolly, the body and the flea and the acrobat, um, 
it's where this is like this is the act where things really start moving right mm-hmm. those first uh, episodes one uh, one two and three um episodes one and two are sort of our they establish everything for us uh, we kind of get a sense of the town the characters sort of everyone's normal uh normal world that they're a part of and then things just start going wrong <laughs> or increasingly wrong uh, of course will's disappearance is the the first wrong but um then you know joyce has her encounter in the house uh things are much stranger than mm-hmm. uh, than people than the characters at themselves first believed and uh, and then it just starts increasingly um you know the, the conspiracy opens up we have that scene at the end of uh, of holly jolly right when they find will's body yeah and and obviously as an audience you know that this can't really be the end because we're barely halfway through um but they i think they do a really good job of making us think that that will could could be dead yeah there's a there's a they it's so convincing that there's a small part of you that's like oh i really i wasn't it's it's that unexpected uh you know uh, uh really twist ending and it's really hard to not continue watching after that episode right like right the, the, oh it's it's such a tag it's such a hook with the uh, you know joyce has just had her had will communicate with her through the lights um spelling out you know i'm right here run on the on the wall yeah and uh got we will be heroes playing thing comes through the wall oh. she runs out jonathan's headed back the kids are crying uh you know hopper is just being crushed under the weight of more lost innocence <laughs> it's uh it's 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 horrible but it's but it's wonderful. It's oh, a, yeah. it's just a great, great bit of storytelling. No, it is. I think in that moment in particular, you really see because the show is always paralleling odd oddities in an alien foreign sense and com- taking those kind of oddities and comparing, comparing them to real life oddities, real life problems, things that we deal with on an everyday basis. Mm-hmm. And you see the relation between a horror of a thing crawling out of a wall and coming to get you. And then your son's body is discovered. What do you deal with that? You know, so it's, it's mm-hmm. the same, you know, that you, you get to relate to uh, a whole gamut of horrors and some of which I think, you know, the loss of a child is probably one of the most profound sadnesses a person could ever experience. And you would do everything you possibly could to convince yourself that it's not true, uh, especially in the case of a missing child. And yeah. this sort of confrontation is just, oh, man. And and it vamps up so much more extremely alongside the uh, the real alien foreign oddities that are going on as well. And it's, yeah, it's easy to see how, you know, grief, grief, bust through the wall mm. in quite the same way as the as the monster does right right and, and i think that's what that's what i'm increasingly interested in in, in horror mm. uh in general not that stranger things is hard hard horror but um it's hard enough it's yeah i mean there's i've I've, well, I've, yeah, I've certainly had to convince a whole bunch of people to watch it because they thought it was too scary. Yeah. I thought it, I thought it was too scary that I didn't want to watch it. Uh, Maria really had to. Uh, my wife had to convince me that this was something that I wanted to watch. It's great entry level horror. It's a great docking point. I tell people all the time, you know, it's it's more thriller. It's more suspense yeah. and a thriller than horror. Um, but it's certainly uh, there's there's some some 
you know there's scary sequences mm. for sure mm-hmm. uh the the lights and the the monster coming through the wall in uh in holly jolly is pretty uh yeah pr- pretty good it's up there oh yeah um one thing i wanted us to talk about uh through through these three episodes uh is now we've got of course l is on screen more and more um and i absolutely love l mm. as a character and there are people who do not feel quite the same way. Mm. Uh, I found a uh, a not so glowing review of the first season uh, that focused on Elle's character as a as a major weakness in the in the, in the show. And I can't. I can see. I think I can see the point um, that the author is trying to make. Um, but I also think that they missed the point with their criticism uh, because it kind of flies in the face of everything that I think the show does well hmm. and kind of why it, it's so poignant, like this this story of, especially the, the aspects with the kids. Hmm. Um, and so, let me just read the, uh, the title of this uh, review. as Where Stranger Things Loses Its Magic, uh, which is in- incidentally where I think all of its magic lies. <laughs> is how how these young characters interact together. And um, so the, the, the thrust of the criticism is that Eleven is clearly a, a token character, that she's, she's not really a full uh, fleshed out character. She's a token girl in a group of boys. Mm. And uh, so, you know, even though it's set in the eighties and it's sort of something that we might expect from the, uh, the time that the, you know, the show is, is drawing from, um, she, the the author is making the point that you know she's not uh, she's not given her due, mm-hmm. I guess. Not fleshed out enough, or is it that she wasn't portrayed as as relatable enough? What's the angle exactly? So here, I'll I'll read uh, a passage here that I think uh, sums it up pretty well. Um, here we go. So yeah, two short paragraphs. So I quote, though deeply traumatized and physically and psychologically underdeveloped, Eleven becomes uneasy friends with Will's group, especially Mike, who's incredibly protective of her. And at first, this things seem hopeful. The boys realize she's their key to finding out what happened to their missing friend, so they help her hide from the government agents trying to track her down. But mostly, they're impressed by her abilities. We never would have upset you if we knew you had superpowers, Dustin tells her. Eleven is often treated like a liability a major character relegated to the corners of the story unless it's time to save the day with her mind. Eleven is clearly the token girl of the group, recalling the Smurfette principle trope that pervaded children's TV during that decade. But the show doesn't display much self-awareness on this point. There's even a textbook makeover scene involving a wig, some makeup, and a dress that leads the boys to behold a transformed Elle in awe. In some ways, Elle's background makes her more complex than the average young female protagonist, but because of what happened to her, she doesn't talk much, leaving her a cipher to almost everyone who meets her. And to the audience, her silence makes her mysterious, but it also flattens her character. Oh, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to trash on this too much. I don't want to, I want to be just like, this is entirely wrong. I, mm. I get, I get, yeah, like you said, I can see the point. I can get the angle from which they're coming from, but Smurfette, really? That's, I, 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 to, to reduce 
her character and like Millie Bobby Brown's performance yeah. as this character to being, you know, just the to being being the token girl even. Mm. Um I think that's too it's it's too it's too easy of a criticism be just based off of well obviously this is the story is about around this group of boys and she's just like a she's just a a, a tool that's yeah. used in the story to to move along their their story i mean maybe the closest you could argue is that her powers themselves are used as more of a a narrative pusher mm-hmm. to get them out of situations that were difficult to begin with this is the only way they can really get out of this scenario that we've put them in so we'll just use Elle's powers and she's also able to lead them to places where they would not otherwise be able to right right because at, at this point in the story where do the boys go next uh to look for will right they've they went out to look for him once they went out into the woods in the brain and they found Elle. Mm-hmm. Uh and so really she's necessary to to move them along in any yeah. way yeah but I, I think where the, where the article really goes awry is talking about the character development itself. Because, I mean, it, when you look at a character that's been through what Elle has been through, and that was the creative decision of those involved, she's going to be this estranged. You know, like, I think of the 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 experiment that was carried out. I forget at what time, but I've, I've heard that this was an experiment that was carried out uh, early 20th century where children were isolated from birth mm. and you know you release them and they're just these uncultured things they're just uh, it, there's nothing almost oh, recognizably like human about them like they're raised by wolves type right of right type right, of thing, right exactly so you know you take that style of character and you don't expect aggressive inhumanity from it you know it's mm-hmm. it's not that she doesn't have a heart she does which developed over the course of her abuse and she recognized that human relationships are important she sees her father quotes figure yeah papa uh, this person who the only person that she's really been able to relate to or have any kind of affection from the and only person she has contact with who isn't throwing her into a you know like a closed Right. closet right but, but i mean the affection the affection was only ever given when payment was received right. for the right. affection. Right. Well, I mean, so a, abusive it's relationship. transactional relationship which is just horrifying and then you take that girl and you put her in a warm cozy friendship mm-hmm. with three boys well one boy in particular i guess at the beginning because the other boys take some time to adjust yeah they don't warm up to um, quite so quickly but you you see mike and hers i guess specifically relationship yeah, no, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to just be. And honestly, I think she would be even more the token girl if she was more relatable at the beginning, because she would just be the girl of the group. Yeah. There's nothing special that much about her, aside from the fact that she can move things with her mind. <laughs> right. Like if she was just like a kid in class who also had telekinetic powers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it's just it's that that idea that she should be a more fleshed out character but that she's she's already complex because of you know because of her her backstory mm-hmm. but then how do you how do you justify like her backstory makes her character believable but this reviewer would like her to have that backstory but then have a less believable character arc yeah. right like we would just expect this this character to be a well-functioning 
12 year old child mm-hmm. uh you know that can articulate what they want and what they need and uh how they're feeling yeah right like it just it, it doesn't it doesn't make much sense and so in a sense she is a flatter character than than the other boys but it's because of the terrible experience that mm-hmm. she's had which also you know creates sympathy with the audience yeah and i think it also sets up that relationship with these you know boys from n- nice suburban lives mm-hmm. sort of these normal everyday lives um it sets that up to to explore friendship and, and yeah. family and it's even you know these themes continue into the second season um but and of course this review is of season one we're looking at it in the context now of of three full right, seasons right, right. and uh, it's obvious that eleven grows as a character um but i think that she wouldn't be nearly as interesting a character if she had begun if she was the character that this reviewer wishes that she mm. had the, you know, or that she deserved to be according to this, uh, <laughs> this reviewer. So I think, uh, I think the long, the longer road uh, has certainly served audiences better. And I think it served the character much better as well. Oh yeah. Um, and even like the, I think there's also a missing reference here, which talks about the makeover scene as if that's, you know, some sort of pretty in pink thing when it's obviously oh. an ET thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ma- uh, making the point of Elle's alienness yeah. to this world, to this normal world. Right. She's literally one of the stranger things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that the, the characters encounter. Well, she doesn't, she doesn't have any hair. She's androgynous. She, she doesn't have any kind of human relatability and physicality. She's dressed in a hospital yeah. gown, you know, like there's, there's nothing that, identifies her as her and you know we've we've seen obviously you know we have the benefit of further seasons but we see that play out even more she's still developing in season three as mm-hmm. to what her personal identity and look is which you know it's it's not a super important thing but for a little girl in the 80s yeah it's important yeah. to have your own particular look for any little girl really um this is why we find it hilarious when kids start dressing themselves when right they're like you know three four years old yeah like oh Interesting combination, interesting choices there. <laughs> and you can see their personality coming through, except she's doing that much later yeah. uh, because of, of what she's experienced. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so we won't we won't dump on uh, on this take any longer. Uh, but just wanted to come to Eleven's defense um, <laughs> that even as this, you know, broken, abused child, I think that she's, you know, probably probably one of the most important parts of this story mm-hmm. because it's the that's the uh, arena where sort of friendship gets worked out. Um, and even this is in these episodes too. She, she's learning already. She's experiencing something she hasn't experienced before. And she, uh, on the way to find uh, when they're going to look for Will altogether with L, she turns Mike's uh, his own wisdom against him. Yeah. Right? When she, she tells him that friends don't lie after mm. she's told him. Uh, told him after he told her that right yeah uh which is this beautiful little thing where you realize that she's she's starved for this kind of thing and she's she's eating it up and Mm. she's getting drawn closer into this this makeshift uh family that they've got going on there yeah trust is built and then she finds out how it feels when that trust is taken away and it reminds her of what she grew up with i think over the course of these three episodes three episodes she well, she and the boys' relationship develops, you know, very, very quickly over the course of these episodes because there's a lot of tension, and uh, especially between you know Lucas, who's kind of the party's 
uh, we need to do this this way because it makes sense guy, yeah. you know, logic guy. This needs to be done this way. She's an outsider and a liability. Right, right. Um, she's just preventing us from looking practically mm, at this moment. She know? might get them in trouble. You know, there's all, all sorts of factors uh, playing there. And of course, when, you, you know, you need the conflict there in the group to to be, you know, it needs to be there so they can be overcome so that they can be closer together uh, at the end. And of course, you know, the relationship is forged through uh, all of this, this terribleness. And then, uh, you know, and then at least Will gets the chance uh, in subsequent seasons to, uh, to kind of come back and participate in some of that as well. Mm-hmm. Matt here with the mid-roll, and I hope you're enjoying this triple-decker Ego Waffle Supreme of an episode. Uh, And I only have one thing to ask you before we get back to the show. If you like Stranger Things and you are enjoying this episode of Stranger Still, uh, please share it with a friend who you think uh, would would also enjoy it. And uh, that's that's really all we could ask for, for more people to be listening, uh, more people to be starting conversations about stories that they love. So if uh, you're a fan, you're enjoying the series, and you can't wait for more Stranger Things, uh, send this to someone and uh, start a conversation that would make our day and um only good things can happen when we talk about the things that we love so uh that's it and we'll get right back to this episode of stranger still yeah so uh, um we've focused on the kids a lot um so let's um bounce back over to the to our favorite teenagers and uh, and their t- their teen angst, which has uh, has gotten quite quite bad at this point, um, because Nancy has made some some adult decisions. You know, I remember watching this for the first time, um, relating to Nancy a lot more, and Steve, uh, and even Barb, I'll, relating to them a lot more than I do now, because it has been quite some time now since the first season. Right, twenty sixteen, been three years. So, I mean. Even three years ago, I didn't have a child then. You know? <laughs> I was three years less into my marriage. I, I felt more, I sympathized and empathized more with them. Now when I rewatch it, I'm just like, come on. Like, really? You're going to prioritize this this new <laughs> like hair guy over your best friend who's been loyal and by your side? I mean, it is kind of it's such, a, it's such a, an 80s stereotype. I mean, you see it in all sorts of 80s movies. Yeah. So. The, the, you know, nerdy girl who's the friend with the pretty girl who doesn't know she's pretty yet. Mm. And then you put the pretty girl in the right context and she shows her true colors. Look mm-hmm. out. And uh, it just so happens that in Stranger Things, the consequences of that are the death of her friend, which I shouldn't be laughing at. But it, I mean, it's it's kind of a turn or a turnaround on the concept as it usually plays out in the movies where it's like, you know, she gets to be self-aware. The, mm. the pretty girl gets to know, you know, okay, I can be confident in my, my popularity and also reach it, reach out to the ones who, who are in need of my friendship and be a true friend. But it's also, it's also this, this horror trope, I think that comes up a lot in that there's like these, this, uh, this like morality tale a lot that gets told in horror movies where, you know, teenagers are, punished for immoral <laughs> behavior right uh, yeah. so she's she's gone over to this party she's lied to her parents um That's she's true. she's slept with the with the hair guy with the with steve 
And normally in a horror movie, what would happen is that she would get, you know, disemboweled um, immediately afterwards in the following <laughs> scene on her way out to, you know, have all that happiness come crashing down. But uh, Stranger Things is a little differently, kind of complicates it a little bit. There's a cost, but it's not directly to Nancy. Nancy isn't, isn't, well, I mean, in a sense, she is punished in a way because there's consequences to her actions. It's just not, they're not immediate consequences to, to her. Um, it's sort of this collateral damage that yeah. she's forced to make a choice between what she wants and, and her, you know, her friend. And it's Barb who, who loses out there, right? Mm, right. They could have left together, but, uh, but they didn't. And, uh, but, and then also like in sort of the horror movie trope would be, of course she'd, she'd be dead. And then it'd be, there wouldn't be anything else to do there, uh, except for maybe someone to escape at some point. <laughs> but, um, but then Stranger Things kind of goes with it. Like the rest of Nancy's arc is dealing with what happened to Barb. Yeah. And again, even that spills into the second season. Um, so the rest of her, the rest of her story is, of course, realizing that something has happened to Barb, and that's her, her gateway into the strange goings on, mm. right? So her normal world gets disturbed, um, and in a way that's, uh, you know, probably the most. Well, she's she's the only one. She she loses someone permanently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, in the end, uh, you know, will. Will comes back, the Byers family is reunited, but uh, Nancy has this, you know, has this cost credited mm. to her account that she uh, she can't really pay back. It's interesting, also uh, that 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 trope as it plays out usually is that person, you know, that the Nancy of the story mm. slowly realizes that they're turning into human trash, but you know. Nancy wakes up the next morning and Barb's gone. I mean, it's, it's this jolting snap. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden your reality has completely shifted and there are true consequences to your selfish accent actions. She wins this all at once. There's no rest in between. And, um, it is interesting, yeah, that you mentioned the the horror tropes because I think of, I mean, like the classics, Friday the 13th or Mm -hmm. Halloween. Those are the two movies that come to mind when you think of teenagers and, you know, dealing with the the um, the consequences of their moral errors. Uh, in the case of Friday the Thirteenth, generations of teenagers dealing with <laughs> the consequences of someone else's moral errors, and then, um, but uh, having having Nancy instead of having her character just disappear from the scene, having her actually see that consequence acted out in someone else who she cares about genuinely, mm-hmm. and then having to deal with that. I mean, that's that's some pretty intense. It's pro- probably one of the more intense, if not the most intense, uh, part of the story. I mean, it, having to deal with the loss of a friend is bad enough, but knowing that you're pretty much directly the cause. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, that's she, not easy. She goes missing after she tells her to leave. Yeah. Right. Go go home, Barb. Yeah. <laughs> go home and let me do uh, what you know what I'm able to do because I'm you know, obviously have, uh, you know, she's, she's the smart girl, but she's also, uh, obviously testing the waters of, of popularity and like mm. testing her, her social skills and in high, you know, her high school, uh, social skills mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, relationship with Steve and stuff. And 
debasing herself to be with that group of friends, Tommy H and and Carol. But but also, yeah, I'm just remembering now that, you know, for most of that season, she thinks that Barb has also gone missing. Like, you know, they're looking for Will. She's looking for Barb. And it's not until very close to the end that she knows that Barb is gone. Right. Right. There's there's, right, there's, there's hope that whole time uh, until uh, I think until the, the bath, even. I think that's the episode mm. where Elle is able to confirm. Right. Like Elle right. Sees, right. Officially. Mm-hmm. And so, so we, we know that she's almost surely dead, but uh, but the characters don't mm. for, for a long time. And so that's that's her motivation through the whole season. Yes. Yeah. Undo the wrong that she was a part of. Mm. And uh yeah. So I think let's get metaphysical. Um, we'll do our metaphysical moment now. Um, and I think in these three episodes, I immediately go to it's where things start to uh, fall into place for people, right? They're sort of faced with um, faced with evidence. Right, stuff that they can't really ignore, but that they also can't explain. Mm. Right, though Joyce, of course, has her conversation with Will, um, which you know, as bonkers as it seems, if someone were to tell you that, watching her do it, like, like clearly these lights are communicating with her. Yeah. Right? Like it's very, she can't really ignore that. Um, everyone else thinks she's nuts, but she can't ignore that. And then of course they find the body. Um, the kids even are, are dejected for a while and it takes, um, what does it take for the kids? Oh, L, uh, tapping into the radios. Right. Mm, That's right. And so people start having direct contact with Will almost. Joyce has the lights and he has a conversation. L is able to tune him in uh, to him singing for, for Will, who then has to convince uh, the other boys. And then uh, Hopper, even. And this is the point where Hopper is starting to be faced with things that he can't explain. And uh, there's enough... He has, he has enough questions that he, you know, he goes all the way to to the morgue. Mm-hmm. And then, then he has his evidence. He that, makes the big decision. That he can't explain, right? Oh, man. Like... Uh, yeah, when he cuts into the the body like that, just, I love that they. I love that they just real quickly they they slow that moment down so that you really feel a weight of like, you know, he doesn't just take the cadaver out all confident and he's like, yeah, yeah. I think this is what this is. He's like, I have to plunge my knife into like, this thing <laughs> and until the moment that he that he cuts open the body. You know, you can tell that he thinks that this is like this is my friend's kid that yeah. I'm about to cut open. I'm about to desecrate yeah. a, a body that's going to be like buried in a, at a in a funeral tomorrow because he's taking that risk because right. there's things that aren't lining up. Right? He's he's been faced with evidence that he is trying to find an explanation for. Um, and all this actually, it actually reminds me of something from the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> just just in terms of. Like the, the the logic behind that, um, when there's sort of evidence that you can't explain but you can't ignore, mm-hmm. um, and it makes me think. I think in the line, the witch in the wardrobe, the old professor at the house, um, all the kids think that Lucy is lying about the wardrobe. Right. She's gone in, she's come out, she's telling them these like crazy stories, right? 
stuff that she's seen. She's spoken to a fawn. You know, there's there's a there's a winter forest inside the wardrobe. Um, I've uh, I've spoken to the fawn, and you know, he needs help. And they all just think that she's nuts, right? Then the professor asks them, "Do you do you know?" I don't. This isn't like a direct quote, but I know that he says something along the lines of, "Do you know Lucy to be a liar?" Right, right. And they're like, "Well, no, but you know, sometimes she tells stories." And I was like, "Do you, you know, do you know her to like to to tell a lie and then?" defend it to tears right and and lucy is crying because they they won't believe her and again and again he asks them these questions and they say no and no and no and he's like then why don't you believe her right so they don't have any reason to not believe her except that what she's saying is unbelievable Mm. right that it's not something that should be possible or should be true and uh, that just made me think a lot about joyce and hopper and sort of that slow coming around to uh, of, of him, him coming around to, to, to seeing things the way that, that she's seen them. And of course he doesn't, he doesn't just take her at his, at her word. Right. But he's, he cares enough to do his job to the, you know, to the limits of, of what he's able to do. He goes to the lab, things get, you know, he is obviously stuff that's a little weird. He knows that they lied. Um, when they look at the security tapes and things, but then, but then he has to, you know, realizes that all of this evidence that's unexplainable can't be ignored. And there's there, but there is an explanation yeah. for it. It's somewhere, but I don't, I don't know what it is. There's a weird, there's a weird trust that takes place it, it, because we don't really ever see the precise moment when Hopper's, I mean, well, we see him commit to punching a security guard in the face. I mean, yes. that's certainly a precise moment, but there's a moment before that that takes place where he commits he says to himself i i this is strong enough that i'm willing to take risks that i'm uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. and that idea is so strong with his character because he's so stubborn and pig-headed at the beginning you know and and he's carrying out the laws according to how he sees the law should be carried out he he has his own opinions on statistics and what missing children do and Mm -hmm. how it should look this is what it's all about it's very reasonable right right and he's also talking to crazy joyce you know he's (laughs) talking to this woman who's frantic and you know not at all in a good state of mind to convince people Mm -hmm. Uh, and yet when confronted with things that you can't explain but you know are real what other choice do you have at that moment and then hopper realizes i think he he realizes he's the only person he really is mm. he's the only person who could possibly make a difference in the life of joyce nobody else around her can do that for her yeah uh, no one can go to the lengths that he can to be able to uh to to have these truths that seem so strange and otherworldly come to life he lies his way into the lab yeah he, you know he punches the guard at the morgue but it's he also great sequence punches people out Points guns at, uh, you know, oh, I love it. Federal employees, yeah. <laughs> and then breaks into a possibly contaminated, poisonous uh, part of this lab, right? And uh, and then and then he knows that, uh, you know, I was right to not ignore the evidence that uh, that presented itself. Mm. And I think that's like that's the moment when 
his world enlarges, right? Mm. Like the, the, the sphere of possibility gets bigger. And, uh, and then that's when things really start to pick up. Right. Yeah. So it's like, there's something, there's more to this, right? This isn't just a missing child. Um, and I think that's what, that's like the, this, the supernatural element that makes the whole story so engaging because it could only go so far if it was, you know, a, a conspiracy with child experiments and stuff. But the fact that we have that like things, things are intruding on this normal world from, from outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but of course then all these bad actors who are facilitating that and the, the poor decisions that have been made. Uh, I think that's what makes it really human and, uh, and interesting oh yeah and and these are the kind of you know uh, on a different level but these are the kind of decisions and and uh and you know especially when it comes to metaphysical realities in life that we deal with on a daily basis mm. or on a, a lifetime basis sometimes um whether that be a religious question or it be a political or sociological or a ecological any any of these uh, things that we confront that are these topics that humanity has discussed for centuries upon centuries of time and not come to a conclusion to yeah. that you can point to and say, this is evidential. This works. This is yes. No, this is how we're supposed to think of God. Mm-hmm. And it's summarized in this paragraph and we're all going to know it. And we're going to be confident that that's the reality. <laughs> and it never ever is clear. I mean, it, these kind of things that, you know, questions of morality or truth or, uh, or, uh, how, how, what are the, the, how are the consequences of my actions? If I do something similar to what, uh, Nancy does, uh, which equated to in my life would be maybe, you know, lying about being someplace and, and shunning a friend and then that friend finding out and feeling, feeling the hurt that I caused that friend. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I deal with that kind of a consequence? How do I, what is what is the right answer there? Yeah. I don't think we can necessarily have a right answer when it comes to gauging precise, you know, uh, this is the moral definition of what you do in that kind of situation. Um, which is one of the great things about this show is that it presents those kind of realities. And then you watch the evolution of a character take place to the point at which they, they either learn to live with what they've done or they 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 grow up to be the the thing that they hated to begin with you know mm-hmm. it's it's this powerful uh t- you you know you're forced into this box because of the situation being so extreme you know like a, a you know a, a, a mike who ends up lying and and betraying the things that he stood so strongly by at the beginning because it was simpler then mm-hmm. but then when pressure is put on we all change we all morph and it's it's so heartbreaking to see Mike uh, lose hope, right? When yeah. they, at the end of the, um, of, uh, of chapter three, you know, when they find the body, and then, you know, it, it doesn't last long. Elle is able to give him his hope back, um, mm. but it's it's so heartbreaking to see like how, uh, you know, strident and 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 committed he was to finding Will. They were going to find Will. You yeah. know, their friends were they were right. gonna, they were going to his friends were going to go and find him and uh, and make everything okay again and uh but what we see in in the show is that like the essence of being human isn't less about making those 
ethical decisions in the moment, right? Like, the, do you take the this path or this path, the fork in the road? It's more dealing with the fallout. Yes, because we're not always able to make we don't not we're not always afforded the chance to like make the decision that way. Mm. Uh, we're not always presented with with two roads, right? Um, and I think it's in that dealing with the fallout um, that makes it so relatable right right it's like this this terrible thing has happened um it could have been otherwise but it isn't mm. so now what yeah and, and and then and also like relatable but also in, inspiring and it, it can be inspiring relatable it can be something that you look at a decision a character makes and uh you know like the the beginnings of of steve you know which we all we all hated him at the beginning you know <laughs> and there's a reason why but then you know you see his character develop as he responds to other situations down the line but like i think of a character like hopper and how he you know decides to do what he does after he's you know convinced enough to take steps that are more extreme i think of myself i would never i would never do anything like that i would choose a more political route of trying to resolve these problems and figure out what the answers are. I would never be the go in guns a blazing gun. Fill out the freedom of information request and submit it to the Department yeah. of Energy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In, in four to six weeks or four to six months, maybe we'll, uh, we'll have the official answer from, uh, from the good people in the government. <laughs> <laughs> but we see, we see what it takes to, uh, to, to push this story along and, and, how different characters handle those questions and answers differently it's fascinating yeah oh and so so good 